0: Is it yeah. oh, wait, it's yeah, let's go. Hey, good morning here, buddy. Good day and good cheer. I'm sorry. Good day and good cheer. It's Christmas time, guys. It's Christmas time. Christmas time. It's Christmas time, it's Christmas time and you guys had a toy drive today, I heard. Yes. Thank you so much for your donations on the toy drive. It's awesome. Yeah. Exciting. I love your new building. I, I, I'm just so honored to be here, Joe. Thanks for having me come over. I mean, just to guest speak at this amazing building. The acoustics are awesome. Our church is similar but gigantic. Yes. And uh, you know how that works. It's just really, really awesome that you guys have an amazing, amazing. Uh, should I turn this on? Yeah. yeah. Let me try that. Can you hear me now? No, no. Can you hear me now? No. Can you hear me now? No. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to come back again. Hey, you guys had a toy drive. It's really exciting. Good day and good cheer. My name's Gio Garces. I'm with the Shoreline Church about half an hour down in Oxnard. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for coming. So it's Christmas time and you're probably thinking, I'm going to get a Christmas lesson. Well, I'm not going to give you one today. No Christmas lesson. No for you. What I am wanting to do this morning is I want us to think about next year. All right. Joe and I have been thinking about next year a lot. And we're thinking about our fellowship, our church, and we're thinking about next year. But it has to start with something that we can do today. Okay. The direction we're going. I'm just going to give you a little introduction to what we're doing. Joe is actually going to roll out next uh, to next week what we're actually going to do. But my job today is to convince you. That it is healthy and it is good to have a change of perspective. That's a good thing. That's a great thing to change our perspective. Changing it. You, you do it all the time, but you may not realize it. But we have to change it. For example, most of the time, travelers worry about their luggage, right? Most of the time, travelers worry about, I mean, changing your perspective can be as small as a comma. Most of the time travelers worry about their luggage. Most of the time travelers worry about their luggage. And all I did was just remove the comma, and it changed the perspective of what you just read. Stop clubbing baby seals. You ever seen that? Yeah. Stop clubbing baby seals. You ever see that? Stop clubbing baby seals. Stop clubbing baby seals. Sometimes a picture could change our perspective. Sometimes it's a period. Sometimes it's a comma. What I'm trying to tell you, it's good to have a change of perspective But there are some things that inside of us That want to fight the change of changing our perspective And Here's why Because what you've experienced Determines what you see You can't see something different Because it's what you see is based off what your experience has been that's usually how we operate. You know. You ever seen the movie The Sixth Sense? The little kid goes, "I see dead people." Yeah. I see some things you don't. Joe sees some things that you don't. But you know what else? You see things that we don't. So this interaction—am I dancing with this thing? Hey, Drive me crazy. You know, Sorry. I'm like, hey, hey, how I you doing? Job. How you doing? <laughs> Gotta unhook it. There. You go. Sorry. Thank you, Joe. We're off to a great start here. You see things that we don't see, but we see things you don't see. And us working together, changing our perspective gives us a greater outcome. Right? You think about when you watch sports, that wasn't a foul. When I watch the NBA, I'm like, that's not a foul. You want a foul? Go YouTube 1980s Detroit Pistons. Those are fouls. Those are fouls. I watch sports, I'm like, we're paying these guys millions of dollars for a nick on the wrist. You see our our perspective? New kids are like, no, LeBron's the greatest. No, MJ. You know, LeBron. we all have a just, just a different perspective. You know, we watch um America's Got Talent. You know, if you're a singer, you're like, oh, they're terrible. If you've never sung, you're going, no, they're amazing. <laughs> I'm the guy that thinks every singer is amazing because I can't sing. Right. But if you're a singer, you're going, oh man, she missed so many notes. I would have never known that. You see things that I don't, and I see things that you don't. Right. But together, we can have a great outcome. It's kind of like church. You talk to some people, church is going amazing. Right. You're like, and Joe and I talked about one person, we're like, we're pumped, yes. Then three others sent us an email, church is, is going terrible. We're like, darn it. Which is it? Is it great or is it not great? You're gonna think yeah, for some this building's amazing. For others, let's go back to the hotel. <laughs> At least I knew what the classrooms were, you know. We have a different perspective. You know, Paul the apostle had seen the sinfulness of men, and he also saw the goodness of God. You know, And the sinfulness of men, you know what Paul saw was, he saw himself. He was brutal. He arrested people, Christians, threw them in jail. He saw, when he went to proclaim the gospel, he was beaten. He got stoned. He was imprisoned. He saw the sinfulness of men, up close and personal. But he also saw the goodness of God. He also saw how God knocked him off the horse, spoke to him, had his conversion, met Jesus, you know, took him to to the spiritual realm in 2 Corinthians 12. I mean, Paul saw some amazing things. He saw a different perspective. When Paul became a Christian, he saw Christianity in a different light, a different view. What I'm asking the church Is that, are you open to changing your perspective as we go forward in 2019? Because there are some things that'll stop us. So Paul writes this in Philippians chapter three. That's going to be our text this morning. And he writes further, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. You know, Paul, along with Timothy and Silas, you know, they started the church in Philippi. And they loved the disciples there. And they loved Paul and he loved them and he visited them. And he writes this letter while being incarcerated. And, and, and it just, just the fact that he wrote this letter to a Gentile church was a huge, huge situation in the church because earlier on, the first Christians were mostly Jewish Christians. Jews had become Christians. And the first seven chapters of the book of Acts tells you that account. And then in chapter 8, The Samaritans became Christians, they were half-Jewish, and they became Christians. And then in, in Acts chapter 10, then the Gentiles became Christians, and then the strict Jewish disciples fought back and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not willing to change my perspective they can't just become followers of Jesus. They have to go all the way back to becoming a Jewish person first. Then they can follow Jesus. There are Mosaic laws. And to a Jewish Israelite going back to following Moses and being circumcised, well, I'm, not, I'm going to assume you know what that means. I don't want to get into a biological discussion here. I'm going to make the assumption that you know what that means. Most mothers know this if they had sons. It was so important to an Israelite to be circumcised. And the reason why it was important to them, why it was so sacred, because God had made a covenant with Abraham. Not in his 20s, not in his 30s. Nearly when he was almost 90. And Sarah was way past, way past the age of giving birth. And God created a new nation of people called the Israelites. And how he started that nation was through a miracle of the birth of Isaac. And when Isaac was born, and during that circumcision, God circumcised him as the remembrance of our covenant that you all began because of me. You didn't just become poof and, and you guys were a nation. You became a nation because of me. I created the nation of Israel. So circumcision was this covenant remembrance that God made his people from a miracle. Right. Because other nations were circumcising their kids. There was nothing special in, the, in their time about circumcision. Egyptians did it. Canaanites did it. But what was special was the age of Abraham and Isaac. That was special. That, mean, that meant that man didn't do this. God did this. Right. And so the Jewish disciples... Had to have a meeting with the other disciples in Acts 15. And they had this dispute and they had a conference. You know, there were conferences back then too. And they decided you don't have to become Jewish to be saved. And that set Paul free to plant churches like the the church in Philippi. But the group of Judaizers kept following him. They were unwilling to change their perspective. They chase Paul around and say, no, 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 you can't do this. You can't have churches like this. They're unwilling. And so there are some dangers. There are some impediments for, that all of us have to see. If we're going to be willing to change our perspective, we have to be aware of the three things that might block it. Are you with me so far? Okay. One is the danger of legalism. When, when you get legalistic, when, in other words, when you put rules in front of relationships, yep. you can't change your perspective. Yep. Right. In verse 2 of, of Philippians 3, that's our text, like I said. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers. So how, how Paul felt about them. Those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. It's talking to the Gentiles, and that's radical because the Jews are like, no, 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 we're the circumcision, right? We serve God by a spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and you put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. I never blew it. Think about that, 613 laws. Can't go shopping on Sunday. Can't turn anything on or off. A mosquito bites you you can't scratch it <laughs> false those were the laws if you're a woman who looked in the mirror and saw gray hair you couldn't pluck it on sunday <laughs> got <Gotcha> you there huh <laughs> you couldn't cover it with like mascara can't do that I know your tricks now. I'm married 18 years. I've seen all the tricks. Can't Can't go to rated R movies. Can't have a beer. Can't listen to secular music. It it can go on and on and on and on. You just got to go to church. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray for an hour. That's what you got to do. Right? It's our church culture that sometimes traps us in the confidence of our flesh because what we've experienced and some of you in this room have experienced some awesome things but that awesome thing that happened in the past can hold you back from changing your perspective in the future. The Jews did awesome. They were converting Jews and then God says, wait a minute, there are Gentiles out there. We got to save them. They had to change their perspective. And some Jews did not like the change because they were stuck and restricted because of their legalism. They wanted to put rules over relationships. We are going to adventure in 2019 and we're going to create a new culture. We've been already doing it already slowly, but we are going to launch a new culture. And some of you are going to be like, yeah, and I guarantee you, some of you in this room are going to be like, oh, no, Joe and Gio, that is not how we're going to do it. But we're asking you. This is our ask. Be willing to change your perspective. Our church right now is like floating at sea without a a mast. We're just floating. We know what we've done in the past had success. But we're stuck today. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Wow. We're stuck. And we're like, I feel like we're out in the ocean and there's no direction. What are we going to do? We know what the Bible says. Go make disciples. Go go, go, help and change the world. We know all the things in theory. But are we doing them? So we, I want to ask you to be willing to change your perspective and how we go about changing the world. <clears throat> Is that fair? Yeah. We need a vision. We need a perspective. And when you realize sometimes how rules can hurt people, maybe that helps. It helps. A lot of our kids, they get older, and they start to realize church is a bunch of rules. And it hurts them deeply. Because what they really want is a relationship just on a, based on a relationship, on love. That like you love me Regardless. See, if our kids just to see one door, and we're nice about it, and we love you. You're awesome. But this is the only door you get to go through. But I love you. You're so cute. This is the only door. You know what that sounds like to a teen? This is the only door you can go through. There's no other door but this door. That's what it sounds. We sound like it's such a great looking door. Look at that beautiful door. It's awesome. There's not two doors. There's one door and the teens don't know how to express the frustration of legalism that they have to go through that door. What gets them through the doors of their choosing is a relationship. When they feel like this is a relationship and they have a choice of going through this door or this door, That's healthy. That's good. Some of you are in this room have made that change already. You saw it a long time ago. But I want us to be open to a new way of doing things. So the, the danger of legalism. The second one is seeing the dangers of worldly distractions. Maybe you're not the one who's like, I never was for those legalistic people. I see my church all the time but maybe you're the one that's distracted by all the worldly adventures that you and your family do. It's just you and your family, you and your family, you and your family, and you and your awesome family, Facebook family, Instagram family. Let the world know about my family. Maybe you're caught up in the worldliness of just, it's all about my family. But whatever we gain... Whatever gains to me now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. If someone asked you why God should allow you into heaven, what would you say? Just think about standing in God's presence. What case would you make that would give you the greatest confidence before God? We start thinking about our spiritual resume. Well, I was a Bible talk leader out of college. I got baptized at 22 I give it to the poor. My prayer life's amazing. I community serve. I've given to to this, to this, you know, toy drive for 18 years. I have my seat at church. That's my seat, by the way. Someone's sitting in my seat, but that's my seat over there. He got here a little earlier. We start going through our resume. We start to go, wait a minute. I, I can tell God some amazing things of what I've done. And just prior to this verse, Paul rattled off his resume. A Hebrew of Hebrews. He takes an interesting turn in verse 7. He counts all of that to be garbage, poop, dung. However you want to say it, just don't curse. Right? He says it's nothing, it's worthless. All that is worthless. Why? Why would he say that? Don't we value getting baptized? Don't we value giving? Don't we value serving our community? Don't we value giving those toys? Giving out turkeys? Wouldn't you want to tell God about that? He writes, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith I want to know Christ yes to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead if you are a struggling Christian these are the most powerful words you can ever hear because whether you've been performing great or not, it's not about our performance. Right. But don't we like to brag about those things? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it our nature to go like, man, that's pretty good, man. That's pretty good. It's our faith being found in him. How? Not by the righteous acts, but by faith. And going into next year, we're going to need faith. Amen. Joe and I are asking you to put your faith in God. Because we are going where we've never gone before. It's a Star Trek line. We're going out there. And we're going to do it. Joe and I have never done it. You think you're nervous. We're nervous. We're scared. Joe and I are petrified. We go on prayer walks and talk. We can sense the fear because we are going into the unknown. But we got to do something. Because we're just floating in the sea. We're just floating. We need a purpose and a direction of how and why we do it. We're good at how and what, but why? That's That's the money question. Why? Why should I do this? Paul realized that his works would never be sufficient to cover his sins. He could only know Christ by faith. And this is part of Paul's reasons for referring to works and rituals as garbage. It's not about our good deeds. They can't save us. They can't save anybody else. They actually stop us. All the things that we think and get distracted by impedes us from changing our perspective. We get caught up in worldly distractions. They might feel awesome. They might be good things, but they distract us from our changing our perspective. Because changing perspective means you're gonna have to change too with it. You just can't read a cute slide with a comma just taken out, that's cute, but you're gonna have to change it. And that's what we're asking, is a change of perspective, is a change of the way that we see ministry being done. We did it one way many years ago, it worked. But it's not working today we got to change something. Not, we don't change what the Bible says. We change the why we do it. We can change the how we do it. That's right. The why is bigger than the how, but how is still important. How do we do it? How do we impact our world? How do we get the gospel of love out there? How do we do it? How do we get the, the Judaizers and the Gentiles to work together to change their perspective? How do we do it? Well, Joe's going to roll that out next week. That's a lot of pressure. He's got a big sermon next week. (laughs) Three dangers that we all need to see. It's legalism. It's there, whether you like it or not. It's there. It's in all of us. I'm not pointing out a certain group. It's in everybody. Distraction. They prevent us from Changing a perspective. The third one is spiritual complacency. Hmm. We're just complacent, right? Not that I've already obtained all of this, is what Paul's writing. Or I've already arrived at my goal. No, I but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. When we become satisfied with what we have, we cannot accomplish things for God and His glory. One of the most dangerous things in our fellowship is complacency. Think about your complacency in marriage for a moment. You're married. Most of you have been married longer than me. You know as well as I know, when you got married, when I got married, I was like, well, she's in. All the hard work is over. She she married me. All those dates paid off. All those romantic flowers and those poems were amazing. She's in the fellowship of the ring now. And now she's going to truly see who I am. Right? Right? complacency we get home and she's wondering why are we going on dates why are you not talking sweet nothings why are you going to bed without me why are you because we get complacent in our marriage yeah. it happens we get complacent for five years when I got married I did not take Karen on a date not that I didn't want I just thought we this, we're dating. We're in. This is this is it all. Why go on a date? We're married. The literally what I told her. Then a very amazing man of God, Reese Nealon, said, "Geo, if you can't find the time to take your wife on a date, something is wrong with you." And I said, hmm, "Let me ponder this." I said, "I, I don't think I can fit that in my schedule." <laughs> I make my schedule. I can't fit it in. (laughs) That was my reason. I cannot fit that in my schedule. And then I decided to do it. Now I can't live without it. For the last five, after five years, we've not missed a date. Because I realized that makes my marriage awesome. But I got complacent. Think about the ministry that those who are around you. We get complacent. We take people for granted. We get, we kind of, we miss things. We don't, we don't think about our ministry to love those around us. Sometimes we just limit it just, just to our kids. When God is putting all kinds of people around us to love in your world, and we just get complacent. And all, all we care about is our family. And then we get complacent in our relationship with God. Yes, Gio, talk about faith. I haven't read my Bible in three years. Faith, faith. No, you should read your Bible. You should pray. Those are good things to strengthen your faith. Those are vital things to strengthen your faith. Because when we ask, that we call the church to change, you're going to need faith to transition. You're going to need it. So this holiday says, I know what happens. You don't read your Bible as much. You overeat. You don't pray as much. I know. I've done these things during the holidays. And you get complacent. And January comes, you're like, what? what? We have church? What, what, Joe? Joe, I never heard this. Joe, I've never heard this before. Why are you telling us now? We've been telling you for months. But what happens, you get complacent, and it's shocking when you realize you've been complacent. So my ask is, when you, when you, when January 2, when you wake up out of the fog, don't blame Joe. Just be humble and say, I've been complacent. It's easy when you're complacent to throw stones at people of why you're complacent. That's so easy. It's hard to go, it's me. That's hard. Realize that you have a goal in your life as a disciple. What is your goal as a disciple? And we know that God calls the church... To bring the love of God to all humanity. We know that. The question is, how are we going to do it? And what are we going to do about it? This church building is a good start, I got to tell you. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is not also telling us that we don't have to fulfill our responsibilities of the past. We do. If we've wronged somebody, we should go make that right. If we've stolen some from someone, we should give restitution. If we have a problem with someone, we need to get that resolved. There are really several reasons why we get stuck. Sometimes we get stuck because someone's hurt you in the past and you just can't forget it. Maybe the church hurt you in the past. Maybe a minister hurt you in the past and you can't. Every time you look at Joe, it's that minister. And you just can't forget it. And it stops you from growing. It stops you from changing your perspective because you're nursing an injury. Get that resolved. Injuries can hold us back big time. We get fixated on our past so much. We hold on to this bad experience and we can't let it go. And therefore you can't change your perspective. We have to learn to process that pain. Don't be a stuffer. You guys are going to launch a spiritual care ministry soon. You know all that pain you've been stuffing for years? It's like in your throat now? Just a little bit more. It's all in there. How do I know this? Because I've been, I stuffed mine for decades. And it finally hit right here. And then I heard Jessica O'Connor's testimony. And like, like, it was coming out. Joe's like, what are you? Joe's like, oh my. I I, I hardly ever cry. But I had stuffed so much pain deep in my soul that I was unable to process. Pain can hold you back. That's why spiritual care is so good. Mm-hmm. We also have a tendency to rest on the past. Mm-hmm. Well, Gio, I was a Bible talk leader for 15 years. Led a family group. I almost became a minister, too. I've done some good things. Those are great and your work is to be commended. But we're still alive. (laughs) They say that when you're buried, you know. We're still alive. Sometimes I go, I should have became a disciple when I was 50, man. I became a disciple when I was 22, and I'm thinking, I'm 47. I still got another three, maybe three decades left. What am I going to do? Keep growing keep accumulating injuries, keep processing, accumulate process so I can change my perspective. That's what it is. It holds us back. We we, we have to rest on our laurels of what we've accomplished. We want this church to be filled with families that have received the gospel of love through you. You're, because you changed your perspective. It's not that hard, guys. These are the dangers. We want to change our perspective. It's as simple as a period. Thank you. Your donations just help someone get a job. It's as simple as a period. If you're just willing to change your perspective. It can be simple or it can take you three seconds. It's that simple. It doesn't take much, if you're open to it, to change the way you think about ministry, to change the way you think about how to accomplish the amazing sacred goal of giving the gospel of love to mankind. Thank you for your time. It's been awesome. you Guys?